Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KDUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Wednesday, September 20th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. We'll take your phone calls today in this segment at 1115. 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in. 602-260-1060. But as we typically do, let's reset the scene with today's poll questions. And we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question in regards to what happens Saturday night at South Bend. Bob had a conversation in the 9 o'clock hour with Brendan Gould from Buckeyes Now. Uh, if you missed it, you can podcast at kdos1060.com. So who wins? And the masses are firmly on the Notre Dame side of things here. All show long, 78% of the vote. Ohio State sitting at 22%. Okay, the Catholic vote has come in early, apparently. So we'll see if that changes. Um, but, uh, you know, really, neither team, Notre Dame's 4-0. and zero. Remember, they played week zero. Ohio State's 3-0. and zero. None of them have played anybody that, quite frankly, is any good. So I'm not real sure what we've learned through the first seven games combined with these two teams. Uh, so we'll hopefully we'll have a better idea after Saturday night. Uh, but we'll see how this goes point spread-wise. Uh, I think it's worth repeating. This was a game that you know several of the sports books have put up the game of the year in lines uh, as early as like literally last April or so, maybe even March. Uh, Ohio State was a big favorite at that time. Most of the summer, they were a seven-point favorite. And after we've seen the uh, you know, first four weeks of the season, if you count week zero, Ohio State, for the most part, down to a three-point favorite in this game. Um, have we learned that Notre Dame's offense can move with competent quarterback play? I think we have, but once again, yeah, NC State has a good defense historically. Uh, but I'm not sure if they're quite as good this year as they have been in the last two or three years. Uh, so that was good. They have really good running backs. They've got good tackles. Uh, their guards uh, were you know, guys that are new starters. But once again, I'm not sure how much they've been challenged. They, you know, Hartman's been a really good quarterback, uh, 13 touchdowns and zero interceptions. But uh, – We'll see what happens on Saturday night. And then the Ohio State defense, which when we last saw them last year, last two games against Michigan and Georgia, they gave up an enormous amount of big plays and lost both of those games largely because they couldn't prevent the big play uh, on the defensive side of the ball. We will answer this question uh, in its entirety around 1130. Still plenty of time for you to cast your vote. KDOS1060.com. Over on Twitter, at KDOSAM1060. He's now the odds-on favorite, I think, universally, at least in most places, to a tongue of Aloha. So should he be favored to win this season's NFL MVP? And the masses remain on the no side of things at 66.7% of the vote. Yes, sitting at 33.3%. 
I don't exactly know where Tua started for the MVP odds, but I'm sure it wasn't. You know, certainly Mahomes was one, and you know, there were several places that had other people number two. Uh, so I'm not exactly sure where he started. I'm a little surprised that he's in two games, jumped to number one here, and Patrick Mahomes is not number one anymore. Um, yeah, if I were going to bet on one of those two guys, I wouldn't bet on either of these because the, the, obviously the odds are you know, not exactly in your favor. Uh, but if I were going to bet on one of those two guys, which one? if you were just ask me which one of these two guys would I think would be the MVP this year, I would go for Mahomes still. And there's still that thing in the back of my mind uh, whether Tua can make it through a 17-game schedule. Uh, you know, I'd have to think that, you know, you had Mahomes – Allen, Burrow, at least in the top three there yeah. uh, right away off the top of my head. And then um, t- maybe then Tua? <laughs> I don't know. At, the, at, at best. I mean, I'm pretty sure Dak was ahead of Tua in a couple places. So, uh, like I said, I don't really pay attention to much of this, but I do remember seeing a list several weeks ago. I mean, we're talking like maybe June or July, uh, one of those two months in which uh, – yeah, I don't even. I don't remember seeing two in the list. Uh, not. I should probably throw in. I would think Jalen Hurts was probably ahead of Tua to start the year a- as well. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. He definitely for sure. Those we- four guys, no question. Those first four. We will answer this Twitter poll question around 1130 today. Uh, As I mentioned, 602-260-1060 if you'd like to chime in around 1115 today. But let's talk about last night with the Arizona Diamondbacks as they won 8-4 over the Giants. It was a Zach Gallen start, five innings, six hits, four runs, three walks, six strikeouts, one home run. Maybe also some signs of really good things to come here with Paul Seawald as it was a 1-2-3 ninth inning for him. And then, of course, you just had some wide chaos happening there in the bottom of the second second with Corbin Carroll stealing third Cattell Marte stealing second dropped baseballs resulted in Carroll racing home Aaron throws Wilmer Flores Marte dashes home chaos well the Giants have the most errors in Major League Baseball it's amazing that they're still in playoff contention for two reasons one they're awful on defense and two They've had key injuries to many players this season, and not just complementary players, but some of their core players and some of their so-called stud players. And that continued last night when Alex Cobb had to leave the game. With what they said, at least uh, I knew that he had some issues earlier in the season, but uh, one of the reports, uh, I'm just going to go by the AP report here, uh, said that he aggravated that left hip injury that has bothered him since June. Wow. Okay. Uh, So anyway, good news for the Diamondbacks to get another win. Four wins in a row now. They're going to have an afternoon ball game with Merrill Kelly. 11-7, 3.45 ERA, 172 strikeouts. Logan Webb going for the Giants. 10-12, 3.31 ERA, 183 strikeouts. It's a 12-40 start. And this could be a big game if there's a tie uh, between the Giants and the Diamondbacks. Uh, you know, the season series is how they now dictate these tiebreakers. And uh, this uh, so far, this is the last game of the season series is today. And they're 6-6 six and six now through the first 12. 
Uh, as you mentioned here, with a culmination of what's been going on in the National League, where do things stand? So we have the Braves at 97 and 54, the Dodgers at 93 and 57, the Brewers 85 and 66. Then in the wild card picture, you have the Phillies at 82 and 69. The Diamondbacks have slotted themselves in there 80 and 72. The Cubs 79 and 72. The Marlins are at 79 and 73, a half game back. The Reds at 79 and 74, one game back. And the Giants may Maybe at this point, uh, we'll see. Everything has been kind of wild. They're three games back at 76 and 75. Yeah, those teams, other than the Phillies, who I think we can kind of assume that they're going to be the number one wild card in the National League, uh, the uh, other contenders for the other three, you know, the other couple of spots, uh, certainly right now the Diamondbacks are playing the best. We would not have said this last week when they played the Mets, uh, but these things kind of change crazily. And uh, you know, I really don't know if you just go by a kind of a two or three week sample that anybody other than the Phillies gives you a whole lot of confidence of whether they're going to close out this season properly in the next 10 days uh, to uh, make the playoffs. Uh, speaking of make the playoffs, if you're interested in some current odds, I'm sure these have been shifting around like crazy because of chaos. But hey, chaos is fun sometimes. Uh, current odds to make the playoffs for the Diamondbacks, it's minus 186. These numbers are coming from FanDuel. To miss the playoffs, it's plus 144. To make the playoffs for the Cubs, minus 128. To miss the playoffs, plus 100. To make the playoffs for the Reds, plus 210. To miss the playoffs, minus 280. To make the playoffs for the Marlins minus 130 and to miss the playoffs at plus 102. Well, if you want to all do the math, go ahead and then make your choices, I guess. But uh, I don't have a lot of confidence in any of these teams, quite frankly. Uh, You know, the Diamondbacks are right now the best, having won five in a row. Uh, So we have four in a row in the homestand here. Try for five today. Uh, But before that, they looked abysmal and uh, a dysfunctional team last week when they got destroyed in New York by the Mets. Uh, when it comes to games currently ongoing here, maybe a potential preview down the line, the Phillies and the Braves, the Phillies are currently on top 4-2. to two. When it comes to the Orioles and the Astros over in the American League, today it's going to be Kyle Bradish up against Christian Javier. The Orioles won yesterday 9-5. to The Astros are looking to avoid being swept. This is a little stunning here. The Astros have lost 18 straight games when scoring five runs or fewer. They're also horrible at home. And I know that they changed the hitting background uh, that's something we talked about. Their home record with Zach Kreiser from Yahoo last week when we did a baseball segment during the Sports Zone, and uh, you know there was an article by I forgot I apologize for somebody from the Athletic about the uh, the hitting background and how they've been so much better on the road, not just win loss wise, which is you know they've been one of the best road teams in baseball, and they're they're below 500 now at home. Uh, so it was, the, and they also had the offensive and defensive numbers home and away. It is wildly different. Uh, and the, uh, Astros can't figure out how to win at home and they've only got a few games to go to try to figure that out. It's going to be very interesting though, to me, uh, to watch the Rangers and the Mariners and how this goes in the, uh, wildcard chase. If, uh, the Astros do hold on to win the division, because the air, the the Astros and the excuse me the uh, the Rangers and the Mariners, 
they play seven out of ten games to end the season starting this week, later this week. Uh, the Mariners against, are... Against each other, I bet. So not to further confuse people. Uh, just to kind of pay attention to what's going on in terms of uh, the races here in the American League, you have the Orioles at 95 and 56, the Astros 84 and 68, the Twins 80 and 72. In the American League wildcard race, the Rays 93 and 59, then the Blue Jays 84 and 67, the Mariners 83 and 68, the Rangers also 83 and 68. When it comes to contests for today, the Mariners are facing the A's, the Angels are facing the the Rays and the Mets are facing the Marlins. Yeah, we can forget about the Rays here now because they've actually clinched a playoff berth. Uh, they're not going to probably win the division after they you know, just split the four games last weekend, starting last Thursday at Baltimore. But they did clinch. Uh, they both ironically clinched a playoff bid last Sunday uh, when they played the final game of that series in Baltimore because of what other teams did or did not do, to be more accurate in the American League, so the Rays are in. Uh, the Otani, he had surgery yesterday. It says from his agent here that he'll hit in 2024, but he won't pitch until 2025. How much does all of this impact his market this offseason? I have no idea. That's an excellent question. You only need one team to give you a big contract, so uh, we'll see how that goes. I think that the uh, I have no no idea to answer that question. I personally wouldn't do it. Um, I just think that he's been misused by the Angels anyway, and I can't imagine that he's going to be able to be the two-way player that we've seen for the last few years over a long period of time. And there's no way that I would invest like $500 million, which has been mentioned as a number, uh, in him as a long-term investment. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention here, and I should have mentioned it when we were discussing the Braves a bit there, Ronald Acuna Jr., uh, he is one home run shy of hitting 40 home runs, and then he's three stolen bases away from 70 stolen bases. I know that there's you know differing uh, base sizes this year, and so therefore stolen bases, maybe if we look at the, the metrics, are up a little bit more. But if he joins like a 40 and 70 club, how impressive this season season has been for him yeah i'm much more impressed with him with the bat in his hand because there's a whole lot of stolen bases that he's accumulated here uh that have been achieved when the game is out of hand it's not exactly a advantageous situation for him to be stealing some of these bases when he's stealing against the uh, stealing stealing these bases i think there's a selfishness factor involved here maybe i'm just looking at this incorrectly but, you know, they're up like 7-1 to one in the game the other night, and he's stealing third base. What's up with that? Also, what if he gets hurt at that point? It's going to be, well, he was injured in a 7-1 to one game stealing a base when they've you know, clinched the East like you know, the second the season started. Uh, so I just don't understand the uh, reckless, and I think it's reckless base running. He's been thrown out a lot too, by the way. Uh, so you know, I just you know, that part I don't get. Uh, as far as his offensive skills with a bat in his hand, he's been incredibly impressive. To your point, he has been caught stealing 13 times so far this season. That's a decent amount, especially in this day and age of baseball, where the rules changed obviously before this year. Uh, you know, Freddie Freeman, God bless him, he's a really smart player. 
but he got his 20th stolen base earlier this week and you know he leads the Dodgers in stolen bases with 20 and good for him but I think that just kind of to some part uh, shows how the uh, the rule changes certainly help the base runner in many cases. The Diamondbacks, as we started the uh, segment with here, have an afternoon contest, a 12:40 start, as they look to uh, sweep the two-game series and also get the season series over the Giants. It's Merrill Kelly on the mound versus Logan Webb. That's a 12:40 start as the battle in the NL Wild Card race continues. If you'd like to join the program, it's time 602-260-1060. Give us a call now. We'll chat with you on the other side of the break. 602-260. 1060. It is the extra point. And as always, follow along with us online at KDOS, uh, KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Catch the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060 and online at KDUS1060.com. point right here on KDOS AM 1060, 1124 on this Wednesday, September 20th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortelaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. College football weekend ahead is going to be pretty special. I mean, it's just making uh, the anticipation for Friday spread uh, pretty cool, even though we're only on a Wednesday, so we have two more days to get there. But Plenty to get into in the Friday spread contest uh, for by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Once again, it's a $100 gift certificate available to you. Come with your weekend bet. The pressure is on because we're 3-0, and so let's go 4-0. and We can, of course, take college games or NFL games. But with that in mind, the college slate... Uh, we've been talking a little bit about Ohio State and Notre Dame and talk about athletes, talk about NFL prospects that are going to be on the field in this contest uh, for Ohio State. It was broken down into top 50 uh, NFL draft prospects as well as some other notables. And so I thought we could go through them and uh, some of the Notre Dame players as well. Top 50, though, I mean, in no surprise, Marvin Harrison Jr., just how dynamic he potentially is uh, to change things at the next level. He is coming out of a pretty darn good wide receiver class, and even on his own team, you have Emeka Ajukba as well in a top 50 spot. Yeah, they're really good. They've been uh, they've had good wide receivers for many years, and by all accounts and just by the eye test, uh, he's the best of all these guys at this stage of uh, his you know, their careers, and uh, you know, obviously has the the pedigree. Uh, with his father, but he's much bigger than his father was, much taller than his father uh, back in the day when he was catching every pass, it seemed like, from Peyton Manning uh, in the uh, Colts' heyday. Uh, so there's that, but he's really good, and he does. He's a combination. You know, they. You know, you could, you know, last week you saw him go deep. Uh, actually, the last two weeks he, he's gone deep for huge plays. But he's also tremendous at just you know getting you know third and ten. He actually runs ten yards uh, and catches first downs. And he's made a couple of spectacular plays the last couple of seasons. 
keeping the, you know, getting both feet down in bounds, which you have to do in college, uh, be much easier for him starting next year in the NFL. And uh, if for some reason Caleb Williams is not the first pick of the NFL, if doesn't come out or doesn't make himself eligible for the NFL draft, uh, I think that you make a pretty easy case that Harrison's the second top NFL prospect of this whole entire college football group. Uh, next up in the top 50 category for Ohio State to, to monitor and watch in Saturday's contest, Edge, JT Tumaloa. I, I don't think I said that right. JT works fine. <laughs> um, yeah, he had uh, the greatest game I've ever seen from a defensive outside pass rusher ever. I'm not exaggerating against Penn State last year when they were in danger of losing in Happy Valley, and he had a series of plays sacking the quarterback, intercepting and scoring on a pick six on a swing pass. I've never seen like that uh, particular game. Uh, his numbers are not great so far this year. I uh, really wouldn't put a whole lot of stock into that. You know, they, until last week, they hadn't really faced a team that tried to throw the ball against them. Uh, so uh, we'll see how this uh, goes on Saturday. And I assume that one of the guys you're going to mention for Notre Dame would be really either offensive tackle. And uh, the, those are those two offensive tackles that Notre Dame has. In fact, I don't even know if – I don't think one of them's even draft eligible this year because he's like a sophomore. But it's hard to tell. You know, they listed as a sophomore, and I don't know how many years these guys have actually been in school anymore, have lost track, and they have the COVID rules, and I get even more confused. Uh, but whatever, those two tackles that will be facing this this week against Notre Dame are clearly better than anything he's seen this year and maybe in his career. Uh, also, Edge, Jack Sawyer. He's been a big disappointment to me. He was like the top edge rusher in the country when he was recruited, and he's made a few plays uh, over the uh, first two seasons he's been in Ohio State, but not enough to my liking, and – if I were an NFL team, I would be really curious to see how he does this week against those same tackles from Notre Dame and going down the road when they face Michigan, which also has two outstanding tackles. Uh, and finally, in the top 50 category, guard Donovan Jackson. Yeah, he's the one guy from the offensive line that did come back that was you know highly skilled. He's really good. Uh, the rest of their offensive line has not been so good so far this year. Uh, they had to replace three offensive linemen, and all three of those guys that left are currently starters in the NFL uh, uh, as rookies. You know, one was you know obviously uh, you know the, the, you know, Jones had to you know, and then he goes his first star was against T.J. Watt, so that didn't go too well. Uh, but uh, you know, that's a big drop off, and I think that's a big part of this game on Saturday is how the offensive line from Ohio State deals with Notre Dame who will have all kinds of defensive pressure and uh, and uh, so forth. And they like to blitz, and Ohio State really hasn't faced too many blitzing situations or nowhere close to the level of uh, skill that they're going to see this week in this game. In the notables category on the offensive side of the ball, names we've heard uh, quite often, Travion Henderson, Cade Stover, and Mayon Williams. Yeah, I don't really think Williams is much of an NFL guy unless he's like his short yardage, and that's it. I mean, he's not an elusive player. He's a good complement to Henderson, who is very elusive. Uh, they're both healthy right now, which neither were for much of last season. 
and that uh, had a lot to do with them, I think, not winning the national championship last season, and they were neither available. Well, Henderson wasn't available at all for that Georgia loss in the CFP, and then Williams actually got hurt in like the first series of the game last year and couldn't come back, but he was just trying to play after he was previously injured. Uh, Henderson had already had surgery at that point and was out for the, out for the year. Uh, so uh, I can see that, but I'm surprised that Williams is actually even mentioned here. And uh, on the defensive side of the ball, linebacker Tommy Eichenberg, as well as cornerback Denzel Burke. Burke has had a tremendous season so far. He's from Saguaro High School here in Scottsdale, about five minutes from where I'm sitting right now. And uh, he, he had an excellent freshman season, not as good last year. Uh, maybe it was you know, learning the new scheme and so forth from Jim Knowles, but he is, you know, granted against not good competition. Even though, you know, Western Kentucky has an NFL caliber receiver who I'm virtually certain is going to be a second or, you know, no worse than a second day draft pick. Uh, so uh, he did a really nice job last week against him. And, you know, he's, Burke has been tremendous so far this season against limited competition. He'll be tested more. I'm not real sure how good the Notre Dame receivers are because they didn't look like they were particularly good last year. It's kind of the same group, and uh, they've made more plays this year. It probably helps them to have you know, Hartman throwing them the ball. <laughs> that will help. Absolutely. So this contest here, they're meeting for the eighth time. Uh, Ohio State has won this series five straight in a row, and they've done it as well by double digits. On the Notre Dame side of things here, some NFL draft prospects. There's only one player listed in the top 50. That's offensive tackle Joe Alt. Yeah, that's one. Of the, I thought there'd be both those guys would be in this list. So uh, that surprises me a little bit. Well, like I said, maybe if this is just draft eligible for this year, maybe that's why. Because uh, I don't think the other guy, the other kid is actually even draft eligible for next year. But uh yeah, he's really good, and I'm not as familiar with the Notre Dame guys for two reasons. One, I'm an Ohio State fan, so I watch every snap of every game, no matter who they're playing. I've watched very little of Notre Dame on a snap-to-snap basis this year because it's been like 10-0 before the game even starts. Huh. Uh, then on the notable side of things here, on the offensive side, of course, Sam Hartman and running back Audric Estime. Yeah, very good players. I mean, Hartman... Yeah, one of the reasons, if not the reason he went to Notre Dame, when he was at Wake Forest for a decade, uh, they ran almost all shotgun. And uh, yeah, basically the NFL people told him that you need to go play in a little more pro-style offense, under center at least some. And uh, they're under center quite a bit at Notre Dame, so that's why he landed there. So I think it's still uh, you know, subject to review of how he does this year at Notre Dame and what the NFL people think of him after this year. But he did the right thing in going to a school that is a pro-style offense. And uh, they, Notre Dame actually has three really good running backs, uh, which we kind of knew before the season started. So we'll see how that works out on Saturday night. Against uh, if Ohio State has a defensive strength, I think it is the defensive line. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. And they have like seven or eight guys that they rotate in and out and – there's not much of a drop-off from uh, seven or eight guys. Uh, and uh, on the defensive side of the ball, edge, Javante Jean-Baptiste, uh, linebacker J.D. Bertrand, and cornerback Cam Hart. Well, Bertrand's the big guy for this week because he was out with a concussion last week, and 
you know, I'm sure he wants to play this week, but, you know, the concussion situation, it's uh, not quite as sure to return the following week. Uh, so we'll see. And, uh, you know, colleges aren't required to give up injury reports. And to my knowledge, Notre Dame, my recollection at least, and I don't think this has changed too much from last year, they don't tell you anything about anybody, uh, no matter what the situation you know, I guess that they had to declare last week that he was out because of a concussion. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's he's a really big part of this defense. If he's on the field, he's a huge part of this game. He's been their leading tackler for a couple of years or amongst the leading tacklers if he's not the – he's the guy you notice right away. Also, Benjamin Morrison from Brophy Prep is going to be an NFL draft pick, and I know that he is not draft eligible because he's in his sophomore year. And he actually started in this game against Ohio State last year as the first. He was his first game at Notre Dame as a freshman, and he was a starting cornerback in that game. And he is really good. We will answer what we think is going to happen on Saturday on the other side of the break between Ohio State and Notre Dame as we get into the poll questions. But I am seeing this here uh, from Arizona Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray. He posted a video to his TikTok account showing him doing some squats with a dumbbell with a caption here. I tore my ACL eight months ago. This is the only major injury I've had. I've never missed the game like this. I'm itching to get back. You learn a lot about yourself in these types of moments. To those of you who ride with me, support me, speak up for me. I appreciate more you more than you'll ever know. I won't let us down soon. He obviously has to miss at least two more games, right? Or is it four more games? No, he's out four games total. That's right. Minimum. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. I had a tough time locating him on the sidelines on Sunday because he kept moving around. So he's getting antsy, I guess. We answer poll questions on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. Every Monday night, check out Ray Adams as he hosts the Monday Night Golf and Lifestyle Show from 6 to 7 p.m here on KDUS AM 1060. KDOS AM 1060. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's time to get into the poll questions for today and we'll start things off with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Bob had a conversation in the nine o'clock hour with Brendan Gulick from Buckeyes Now. If you missed it, you can podcast it over at KDOS1060.com, but it co sides here with the Notre Dame and Ohio State game, which is the question who wins Saturday night in South Bend Notre Dame or Ohio State? Pains me to say this and I'll get to the answer in some detail in a moment, but uh, Ohio State's not lost to Notre Dame in my life and I'm 66. Uh, They didn't play for from 1936 until 1996 and Ohio State's won all five games since then. They've won them all by double digits. They were also clearly the superior team and talent-wise in all those games. I'm not positive. I think they still have the best talent right now, but they've got some. Here, here would be my three concerns for Ohio State, my biggest three worries heading into this game. First up, the offensive line that we talked about. 
and we've talked about for since ever we previewed Ohio State in the preseason, which was back in June. Uh, three offensive line starters, that was a concern. They were gone. And the three guys that have replaced the three guys that are now in the NFL have played average at best through the first three games of the season against inferior competition. Second of all, Kyle McCord is going to be making his first start in a hostile environment. I know he started on the road in Indiana in the first game, but there were as many Ohio State fans in that game at IU and Bloomington as there were Indiana fans. It's an easy drive from Columbus. Uh, it's an easy drive from Columbus to South Bend also, quite frankly. But there will be many more Notre Dame fans there than there were Indiana fans. So can McCord handle the actual crowd situation and just being on the road and there's going to be adversity that they really haven't faced at some point for sure in this game uh, so that's a big question and third I'm not convinced that Ohio State's defense is taking care of the big play situation from last year certainly they've looked improved through three games against inferior competition uh, but uh, I need to see Maybe a better idea this game. If they actually don't give up big plays to Notre Dame and Hartman and the running backs and the wide receivers who were seemingly better for Notre Dame than they were last year, then I'll maybe come around Ohio State's defense a little bit. Their tackling has been good so far, but that's against guys that are pretty easily tackled from IU, Youngstown State, in Western Kentucky, except for the one really good receiver for Western Kentucky, and Burke did an excellent job on him in uh, last week's game. So, I'll throw this together is you know, I think that uh, Notre Dame has certainly the more accomplished quarterback at this point. Ohio State has rarely had a game, uh, any game, other than uh, Trevor Lawrence when they played Clemson, where they've had a quarterback disadvantage. I think going into this game, I think it's pretty easy to you know, ascertain that they have the inferior quarterback in this game. Also, Notre Dame's offensive line, I have more confidence in than the Ohio State uh, offensive line. I know they're uh, facing each other. but uh, So throw those things together. And also, I think uh, Notre Dame playing at home should be an advantage for them, which it isn't always. But I think it will be in this game. So I think Notre Dame wins, and I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> Yeah, to your point about Notre Dame playing at home, I thought it has been interesting that I've heard, you know, Marcus Freeman multiple times uh, in front of a microphone, like talking about how the fans need to be there. They need to be there early. So, uh, you know, obviously they feel that being able to have a home field advantage would be really advantageous, especially with a young quarterback, Kyle McCord, coming in for Ohio State. I think when you look at the rosters top to bottom, you know, athleticism wise, Ohio State wins out over Notre Dame, but there are are uh, some really good pieces that Notre Dame has here. We, we think about you know on them on defense. You mentioned it in the previous segment with JT Bertrand. Uh, he's coming back from an injury. If they also get safety uh, DJ Brown back as well as tight end uh, Mitchell Evans back, that certainly helps things for, for Notre Dame. Sam Hartman at quarterback, he has certainly changed this Notre Dame offense here, completing 71.1% of his passes, 13 touchdowns, no picks so far. Obviously, I think we're both fans of Estime and what he can do uh, at the dynamic running back position, averaging 8.3 yards per carry. I understand that Ohio State will be a better defense than they've faced so far this year. Uh, so the questions for me are, can Notre Dame hang with Ohio State's athleticism on offense? 
Speaking of offense for Ohio State, maybe things have started to click here for Kyle McCord and Marvin Harrison Jr., that connection heating back up uh, as he's had 12 catches for 286 yards, three touchdowns in the last two games. It is a tough road environment here, uh, so whether or not the young players for Ohio State can kind of uh, handle all of that and weather the crowd environment storm, all of that said, though, I think Notre Dame uh, comes out with the victory. Okay, two other quick things. Marcus Freeman talking about the crowd noise is interesting. Marcus Freeman, who played linebacker at Ohio State, it was a tremendous linebacker at Ohio State. His teammate there was James Laurinaitis. Uh, Laurinaitis was on Freeman's staff last year at uh, Notre Dame. Laurinaitis has since gone to Ohio State, and he's on their staff currently. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that works out. And then the uh, other thing I was going to mention, I kind of forgot the second thing because I was so good describing the first one. So I'll remember it like at 12.15 or something when it's really relevant. No problem. Interrupt at any moment when you remember. Uh, who, yeah. who wins? The masses are on Notre Dame at 75% of the vote. Ohio State at 25%. KDOS1060.com. Flipping this on over to Twitter at KDOSAM1060. Should Tua Tungavaloa be favored to win this season's NFL MVP? Uh, when I looked last on FanDuel, you had Tua at plus 500, Patrick Mahomes plus 600, Josh Allen 10 to 1, Jalen Hurts 10 to 1, and Trevor Lawrence 12 to 1. So those were the <laughs> current odds there. Uh, if you look at numbers for Tua, through two games, Tua 65.3% completion, 715 yards. I believe that's the most yards so far. Uh, four touchdowns, two picks. They're 2 and 0. Um, Looking at this, though, I don't know that through two games, if we consider the MVP award to now suddenly be the quarterback only award, that there's really a case for anyone else other than uh, Tua Tungavaloa, because you have obviously Mahomes. He's being asked to do a lot with a little bit of support right now. The wide receiver situation, we've talked a lot about it. Travis Kelsey's injury working his way back, uh, so his numbers are down. Josh Allen had that Monday night football performance. Jalen Hurts in the Eagles offense has been a little bit slow to get rolling to start the season here. So, if it's because it's a quarterback-only award at this point in time, I would say Tua. But to offer an alternative, I would say Christian McCaffrey. Okay. Well, I when's the last time a quarterback did not win this award? So I think it's pretty much a quarterback award. Uh, so we'll see what's up with that. I think it's absolutely crazy that Tua is now favored to win this because he had one tremendous game and one efficient game. Uh, you know, this is a guy that has, unfortunately, not just the concussions last year, but he's had multiple lower leg injuries when he was in Alabama. And I just, you know, this is just nuts to me. Uh, you know, Mahomes would be the guy. I wouldn't bet on any of these because the odds just aren't advantageous. But, uh, you know, I know that at least a couple of, I wish I don't know which exact ones, but I did hear yesterday on VEASAN that a couple of sports books in Las Vegas got pounded with two of, money, two of money so they didn't have much choice but to make them the favorite at this point because they're just you know, it's an avalanche of two of money through two weeks. I would be stunned if he were actually the MVP at the end of the season. 
No, out in front, 66.7% of the vote. Yes, sitting at 33.3%. This is on Twitter, at KDUS AM 1060. Uh, There's a reason that it's a long season, and specifically for the Dolphins as well. I'm curious to see how once the weather starts to turn, I mean, I know that they're getting, like they already got, the Patriots out of the way. They didn't have to go to Foxborough in the middle of December. So just kind of curious how all of that plays out for them and just the style of play that they want to utilize. Yeah, the one thing they can help too with there is uh, that that uh, I think would be to his advantage is that as long as Jalen Ramsey's out, there's going to be games that they're going to be chasing points. Curious to see, though, because I think Jalen Waddell uh, is in concussion protocol. So see how he's doing uh, ahead of um, this Sunday's game for the Dolphins. We wrap up uh, the last segment of the show on the other side of the break. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060. HD radio is here for KDOS AM 1060. Check out your favorite shows and games on 100.7 KSLX HD2. Wednesday, September 20th edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob, it is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else slipped uh, slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today, we had an Ohio State uh, Notre Dame preview uh, with uh, Mr. Gulick from uh, Sports Illustrated, covers the Buckeyes. Also on Thursday, we'll preview the first big weekend of the Pac-12 conference games, a couple of ranked battles in the Pac-12 alone, and uh, USC and ASU is not one of those. It's you know, like a 35-point spread last I looked last night. Uh, but we will talk Pac-12 football with Roxy Bernstein, also sound day uh, courtesy of Fox, NBC, CBS, Major League Baseball, ESPN, and also WSCR, the Cubs flagship in Chicago. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, and the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6. A couple of things of note ahead of Thursday night's contest tomorrow. The Giants have ruled out running back Saquon Barkley. In addition to that, offensive tackle Andrew Thomas, uh, as well as left guard Ben Bredesen and linebacker Aziz Jewelry have all been ruled out. Uh, no word yet on the 49ers side of things, because obviously the big thing was uh, Brandon Ayuk in terms of the injury report for them. Yeah, uh, it is for you know, short term. I don't think that's as big a deal, uh, needless to say, uh, for them, because the Giants guys you mentioned, other than Daniel Jones, those are, I think, are the three most important players on the Giants offense. 
Speaking of the Giants, but the San Francisco Giants, they're playing the Diamondbacks this afternoon. It's a Logan Webb start versus Merrill Kelly, 1240 p.m. today as uh, the Diamondbacks continue to try to solidify their wild card spot. Uh, The Colorado phenomenon continues. Colorado and Colorado State's overtime game on Saturday night drew 9.3 million viewers. I think it topped out over 11 million, making it the most watched late night college football game ever on ESPN. Well, I mentioned earlier in the week that that was the cheap shot festival from Colorado State. I didn't watch every play of that game because, uh, unfortunately, simultaneously, ASU is getting drilled by uh, Fresno, and I was watching some of the U of A and uh, UTEP game, but it turns out that personal, the uh, Colorado State had nine personal foul penalties in that game. Nine. Yeah, there was a lot of personal foul penalties. Uh, the specific uh, incident, though, with uh, against the, Travis. I say Colorado. I, I meant Colorado State had nine personal foul penalties. If I said Colorado, sorry. Um, yeah, and the situation that obviously ha- Travis Hunter had been taken to the hospital, he's going to be out for at least three weeks here, according to Deion Sanders, though. Uh, Dion did come out yesterday when he met the media, uh, basically telling Colorado fans to, to cool it because there has been investigations as well about death threats to the player that hit uh, Travis Hunter, as well as you know putting his personal information online and putting his mother's personal information online, so Dion Dion calling for people to stop doing all of that. Yeah. The XFL. Sorry, go ahead. There were a whole lot more personal foul penalties after that cheap shot on Hunter. However, it was just a dirty football game from Colorado State. And if I were the commissioner of the Mountain West Conference, I would be trying to figure out if there's any way I could find Jane Orvell for his team's actions. XFL and USFL uh, are purportedly set to merge to create one spring league. Not finalized yet, but it's close. It's close, Bob. All right. Oh, I can't wait. When's the first game that I will not watch? I don't know. It could. uh, Well, it depends on what rules they uh, follow, right? Is it going to be the week after the Super Bowl or is it going to start in April? Who knows? They could play in my yard here and I'm not going to (laughs) watch. That'll do it for this September 20th edition of Extra Point. We'll do it all again tomorrow, starting with the Sports Zone at 9 a.m. Talk to you then.